Okay, so, um, well, uh, this time uh, we have here with us uh, Katie Sullivan, uh, inspiring actress, um, amputee and a Paralympian uh, from America all the way. And uh, we are going to talk a little bit about your journey, Katie. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Thank you for having me. Pleasure to have you. And um, why don't you uh, start by telling us a little bit about uh, uh, where you are from? And, uh, and um, I, I believe you, you grew up in Alabama. I, I did. Um, I was actually born in Texas um, and my, um, my dad was a military doctor. So I was born on a military base um, in Texas and um, my parents didn't know. Um, my amputations are congenital um, and uh, neither of them knew. Um, I think it kind of was around the time, you know, sort of before everybody got an ultrasound. <laughs> so like, you know, before the time that like, if, if they felt like something was concerning or wrong, they might say, oh, let's check out what's going on. But I seemed to be doing fine. And then it was actually when my mom was in labor that um, one of the nurses gasped in the operating room in the delivery room. And uh, they were like, here, have some oxygen. It was not oxygen. <laughs> they knocked her out um, and uh, and got me out. So I um, I from day one I was missing both of my limbs uh, from right up right above the knee. So I have full femur bones and um, never really had any operations or true amputations. I had one minor operation when I was six yeah. um, to help me accommodate sockets mm. um but other than that it's just sort of uh don't mess with it like it works don't mess yeah. With it. yeah and you had the prosthetic since when i got my first pair of um we called them rocker bottoms they mm. call them stubbies now at mm. least they do in america i'm not sure what they call they're called around the world but um when i just i was one I started trying to stand up like babies try to stand up. And mm -hmm. my parents were like, we got to get something underneath her. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, so yeah, I've been wearing prosthetics since the time I learned how to, to ambulate okay. on my own. So you, you obviously learned them very fast to balance and, uh, and even run. For sure. I mean, it's, it is a, uh, something that is just sort of I, I'm sure my core muscles are stronger than the average person's just just to get up and walk around I mean it takes it's a full body um experience and commitment to to walk on prosthetic legs every day um some days are better than others um even this far down the road um it's a but it's you know it's all I've ever known so it it felt kind of uh natural for you just to take on the Paralympics? I mean, I, I have to say that for me growing up, I didn't participate a lot in sports. I, I was on a swim team as a kid and I, um, I participated in some individual things, but um, it was not something that I, calling myself an athlete was a really hard thing for me early on because mm -hmm. I just was like, 
I don't feel like I'm an athlete. Like, I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. And um, because I got my first pair of running feet when I was 25. So I had never run before in my life before oh. um, giving, giving me, you know, getting a chance to try the, the running oh. blades, the feet. Um, and it, something that none of us realized I happened to be quick. So, <laughs> so um, but I, you know, I grew up acting and I grew up auditioning for things. And I, I kind of approached being an athlete and I kind of approached, you know, track mm-hmm. as an actor, I sort of would ask the questions of like, okay, how would an athlete act I think an athlete would wake up at five in the morning and go to the gym before work and I think an athlete would eat this avocado instead of those potato chips or you know I mean it was sort of um it was kind of fake it till you make it um (laughs) and eventually you know when you're traveling internationally to compete in track meets you start to go okay maybe I am an athlete (laughs) Like I can start calling. Uh, how, how fast did it go from the time you started running, 25 years old, uh, on a running legs until you were actually competing? Um, I that's a great question. I had never run before in my life, and within I went to a, a running clinic because I couldn't. I had no muscle memory of running, mm-hmm. so I would kind of hop on each foot twice because I didn't my my brain knew what running was, but my muscles didn't, they didn't understand. Mm -hmm. And so, um, once I finally did sort of that kind of click, it was at a running clinic for amputees specifically. Um, it was within two months of that, that I was at a national competition. I was in way in over my head. I was terrified. I, uh, so early on, um, just feeling like I would rather, I was like, can I just sing the national anthem? Like I would just (laughs) rather do that than run this race. I was so scared. Um, and I didn't have a, I mean, this is a great example of, of, you know, if you decide to do something, you have to really give it the, the dedication and the time, because I, at that first track meet, um, I took three steps after the gun went off and I fell, I, I tripped and I fell mm-hmm. because I think it was mm-hmm. nerves and yeah. just feeling overwhelmed and not paying, you know, not knowing how to quiet your mind enough to yeah. Yeah. do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so my first big track meet, I fell on my face um and I got I had I had to get up and I was crying when I got to the finish line and uh it was that moment that I realized if this is something I actually want to do I have to I have to respect it and give it the you know the time and the commitment that it deserved yeah but then you started to get really serious about it um there was a big competition in, in, in Brazil. Yes. That was kind of the beginning of your kind of bigger, bigger events. Bigger events. Yeah. I um I competed. That was that was maybe a year and a half in. Mm-hmm. Um, so not even probably about a year and a half after I first ran ran for the first time. Mm-hmm. And um 
the the thing about Paralympics uh, is that you're broken down into categories. So, um, uh, and that uh, kind of everybody just doesn't, it's kind of across all disabilities, um, but it'll be like, I was considered, I was technically a T, T stands for track, um, 42, and a number 42 is a, uh, oh no, I'm sorry. I was, I am technically a T41 and a 41 is a bilateral above the knee amputee. Um, But I was the first woman competing in the world internationally, a bilateral on my feet. So not in a wheelchair. And, um, (laughs) and I, so I had to run against uh, T42 women, which were uh, unilateral amputees, um, uh, above the knee. So, okay, so, um, <laughs> so out of the blocks, I was always pay- playing catch up. Like, ah. you know, there's no, there's no prosthetic foot that's going to give you the power, power of a, of a sound side. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I was always chasing people, but I was pretty good at chasing people. Once you get going after like 20 meters, you know, it's, yeah, it's pretty amazing what what you can the ground you can make up. Excellent, and then yeah. uh, you you uh, you went for your uh, first para, para, so, so then you started your Paralympic uh, quest, uh, right? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, you know after Brazil, it just kind of it gave me the opportunity to sort of say this is possible, like this is, I can do this. And um, I ended up um, training for the Beijing games, which were in 2008. Yeah. Um, and cause that Brazil was in 2007 mm-hmm. and um, uh, really just kind of focusing and trying to, you know, f- train and dedicate all my time and effort into doing that. Um, and it was about, a month before uh, nationals, and you had to compete at nationals to compete in the in the games. Um, and it was about a month before nationals, and I got sick. I got mono, mm. and um, I not sure how you know where I got it or how I got it, but it it depresses your immune system so much, and you're and you're very weak and very tired. And so mm. I was going to attract me about a week before um nationals to just kind of like shake the nerves off and get in get into you know take a take an opportunity to to run and um all i'm talking about is falling but i had a big fall um that day and um i ended up like i had to get stitches in my face and i i just big bad track fall and um and i ended up hurting my back (laughs) and I always like to say actually this is a very good backtrack Mm -hmm. uh I do like to say be careful what you wish for because you know early on all I wanted to do was sing the national anthem at that event at the nationals and that year they had asked me to sing the national anthem so I showed up (laughs) with all of these I had to put I put giant sunglasses on because I had a black eye and I I, um, it, it, uh, I had this back pain, so I was on some pain medication and I was saying to somebody that I, it could have been the slowest 
national anthem that has ever been sung. <laughs> I have no idea how how well it went. Um, but then I sat in the stands and I watched my hundred meters run by and oh. was pretty devastated. You know, I I think mm. I think for anybody who who sets their goals for something extraordinary or something larger than life, yeah, uh, there's no hiding. Mm. when you either have a failure or you have a, a if or you succeed so yeah. um but it, you know it was one of these moments that made me really have to kind of take stock and see what what do I ultimately want to do and um I was hurt I was injured for a while and it wasn't until I was doing actually I was doing a play in Chicago mm-hmm. about a year and a half later and I was um swimming every day we had a pool where I was living and I just started feeling stronger and I just was like what what if I went you know what if I went back to attract me like what if I okay you know and so kind of tipping my toes back dipping my toes back into the water of um of competing again competing. yeah and, and and that that is where you set your eyes on london it felt like beijing was far enough in the rear view mirror that it wasn't painful emotionally and also physically mm-hmm. um and it just was kind of like listen if the worst thing that can happen mm. is that I try and I, you know, get into fantastic shape and I'm, my back is not no longer painful because I'm doing so much activity and, um, uh, there, and the worst case scenario is that I don't make the U S team. And to me, there was, um, that was a good enough reason to try. Mm-hmm. Like that was like, okay, I could fail, mm-hmm. but it felt worth it. So, um, so I started competing again and I started training again and, um, and it, and it, uh, eventually, you know, it did lead to that year, 2012. Um, I set and reset the U S record in the hundred meters four times. Like I just kept, I was just like accelerating my own, like And at the end of the day, that to me was the biggest aspect of all of it is like the only person I cared about beating on the track was myself. Like I was still having to compete with yeah, women who have, yeah. I do finish. Just be there. So it, yeah. Yeah. It, it ends up being like who, you know, at the end of the day, you just want to strive to be your best. Yeah. And, um, and it truly was, and, and honestly in London, uh, going into that competition, I knew on paper, I was like, there's, unless three people fell down <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> at the beginning of that race, okay. I was like, it's not, it's not going to happen. And I only had one, uh, race I could run. It was just the hundred meters. I couldn't, mm-hmm. com- we didn't, no other people- Yeah. Was, no we had no 200 and yeah. actually the 200 meter was my better race because mm. like I said about getting up to speed yeah. Um, yeah 
And so I trained, I mean, if you want to get technical, I trained for four years for a race that was going to last less than 18 seconds. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So at that point, you really just have to soak up the experience. And, you know, if you, whatever happens, you just kind of have to, I mean, but I also, I had so many other things that I was focused on. Like I, like I said, like we've said, I'm an actress. I'm, um, that's what I got my degree. You picked uh, fantastic uh, games, at least. I mean, these were the first uh, (laughs) games that were sold out in history. I mean, it was, uh, it was such amazing uh, games. I was there myself. It was uh, incredible uh, to be part of. And uh, so, It, it might have taken you a while to get there, but at least you right. got the best one so far, I think. It was um, unbelievable, mm-hmm. unbelievable to be there doing that. And um, Lund- I mean, the UK did such a great job. They really yeah. just, it was, um, it was incredible. It was really yeah. incredible. And the energy of like, I mean, I, I ran that hundred meters in front of 80,000 people. Yeah. Like the stadium was packed every single day. Um, and apparently there were people who were trying to get tickets to the Olympics. Yeah. Um, and then when they couldn't, they were sold out, and, you know, they couldn't get tickets. Everybody just started buying tickets to the Paralympics. And it was like, yeah. you know, it was just really cool. And it, it, the, the feeling in London at the time, they were so proud and so excited to have people there. If you were, anywhere out in the city and you looked even slightly confused someone would be like do you need help <laughs> you know <laughs> like it was just yeah. like they so, um, so how i mean how were these games in terms of you personally just the, how transformative were they for you just personally i think i think the transformation ultimately kind of comes with I mean, I think with any athlete, you sort of realize those moments are few and far between. And it's the commitment to yourself. And it's all of those days that you are on the track by yourself and no one is cheering and no one is. It's, um, I think that was sort of the biggest shift in at least thought and um, the biggest impact on me was sort of realizing that if you show up for yourself and you work hard and, and put one foot in front of the other every day, um, you can achieve amazing things. I mean, crazy things. Yeah. I mean, if you had told me as a, you know, a teenager that I would, that you could just list off all these issues and actresses, the Paralympic, you know, like you say all these things. Um, and it's, it can be overwhelming and it can also feel like, you know a big responsibility to be a role model and to be all of these things but uh, but to be a person who grew up in a world where no one looked like me mm-hmm. and no I didn't I couldn't turn on the television and see somebody that was a double amputee I I never saw a double amputee on television until I was on television yeah. in the United States so like um 
that to me is, is the biggest transformation for me in my life is knowing that little girls that are like me can point to someone now and say, well, she did that. She did that. So why can't I, why, why shouldn't I? Um, and I think that's the biggest impact that it's had. And I think that was also very much the impact of those games, how I felt being part of it there in London more than any times before, because it's been part of these Paralympic games several times, that it just somehow elevated the image of uh, people living with disabilities. Right. Don't you think? I agree completely. I think um, I think there's a fine balance between um, there is a, a bit of a tendency to elevate um, people living with disabilities to sort of superhero. Oh, they're superheroes. They're, you know, and there is an aspect of like, no, I'm just going to the grocery store. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm not a superhero. I just ran out of milk, you know? So like there is this balance, but I think what those games specifically, and I feel like there was a, a shift globally mm-hmm. of realizing what more people with living with disabilities can accomplish and and bring to the table um I think in any way more bigger than a way that I've ever seen a big shift happen yeah yeah oh it was a great milestone Uh, but let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, Katie the actress okay yeah (laughs) Um, so, uh, you said in, earlier that you, you, you basically have, you have always been acting. So that's where you started. I went, started um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I saw a production of, um, there were a couple of times in my early childhood where I saw, it was primarily kids when kids could, were acting either in a play that I saw or, uh, in a movie, like I saw the movie Annie. And it was all these kids. And I was just like, how are these kids doing this? Like, I, I don't think any of those kids lived in Alabama. Um, mm-hmm. And they also probably all had agents. So like, <laughs> there was a, a confusion of young Katie of like, how do you get, how do you sign up to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, but I went to my first, I went to my first audition when I was 12. Um, I begged my parents to take me um, to go for a play uh for a children's theater it was sleeping beauty it was just this tiny little thing and i played a townsperson and i just was like this is it like this is all i want to do um and uh oddly enough not or i don't know how oddly but like uh in 20 in in 19 oh god 1996 i was like what year was that um uh I actually performed at the opening ceremonies. The Olympics were in Atlanta mm-hmm. and um, I was a singer. I was a, one of the kids picked. I think I was 16 years old. We and, were in Atlanta too. Yeah, but I, was well. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> we keep, we keep we missing keep, each other. Uh, yeah. I never met. Yeah. Hmm. But I was, um, I was standing on a field, you know, a, big soccer stadium singing and I was just like that is what made sense to me to be a part of any sort of Olympic anything 
was like, oh, clearly I'm a singer. I'm a performer. I get to, you know, that makes sense. So if you had told that kid that she would then, uh, you know, be competing in a, in an Olympic and Paralympic event, uh, I think she would have laughed at you, but, um, but I ended up, you know, I, I wanted to study. I wanted to learn how to be an actor, um, sort of, I, I wanted to learn method and theory and I really wanted to get my hands dirty. So um, I went to a conservatory audition for, for university um, and I uh, studied acting. And uh, when I got out of college, I moved to Chicago for a while and did theater and spent most of my time um, early on in LA. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm now in New York. Um, in the New York area because um, I've done some stuff off Broadway and um, this most recent, uh, this last year I was on um, the new season of the show Dexter um, Mm -hmm. on Showtime. So back and forth to Boston and yeah. So the, so the acting um, has, has evolved over time. I, I spent a lot of my early career showing up to auditions in jeans and cosmetic not even like cool you know cool like just sort of Mm -hmm. we're blending in here we're trying to sort of blend in with the able-bodied yeah crowd and um there were a lot of times that I had a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. about going into auditions and into rooms when I was younger um because I wasn't sure I, 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 it almost felt like having a disability was this big liability. Mm. And um, I feel like we have had in the same way that the London Olympics um, opened people's eyes to athletes with disabilities and people who live their lives that way. I think it's started to, uh, it's it's becoming so much more uh, a movement in Hollywood as well of, inclusion and you know don't put take an able-bodied person and sit them in a wheelchair let someone who lives their life that way and from that perspective play that character because they're going to bring something mm-hmm. to the perspective of that character that an able-bodied person mm-hmm. never would a subtlety yeah yeah, yeah. and um, and you feel like uh, that that uh, is is changing since uh, you've been at it for a while now and you, you've seen a development for a certain time. I do. I do feel like, well, I think we, we still have a long way to go. Um, individuals with disabilities are the largest minority in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we are still the least represented in our entertainment and our media. Things slowly are, you know, they t- it takes a long time to turn the ship. But mm-hmm. um, uh, I'm so much more busy than I was when I was younger Uh, you know there would be years that I would have one audition Mm -hmm. in an entire year because people were either not willing to pitch me for things or or not willing to see me you know who knows who knows but um uh the I do feel feel like there has been a, a a shift, a consciousness shift of um, 
people wanting this to be part of inclusion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's slow. Progress is yeah, slow. Yeah, it's slow. But it's great that shows like Dexter, which are obviously it's a big show, um, is doing that. And you can see it really when you watch it uh, with you in it. It's, uh, you know, it just, it adds another kind of sizzle to it that you are who you are. And uh, I, like I no other. <laughs> One of the re one of the things I actually talked to one of the writers of um, Dexter and I was like, why, you know, why, why did you write her this way? Because mm -hmm. they wrote the character, they wrote Esther the way yeah. that they did. Um, and they just, they just said they wanted it to reflect the real world. They wanted this town right. to have people who were every shade of color and every sexual orientation and you know the people that and so what drew me to the to the role mm -hmm. was the fact that the plot had nothing to do with her disability um there was no big like reveal or big um you know she wasn't in some huge accident we i know her backstory but like that wasn't made you know a big part of the show she was just a woman who had a job mm. and she showed up and she was good at her job mm -hmm. um and she you know it, it, she happened to live her life from that perspective but it wasn't about that and I think that to me that's the most exciting shift that I have seen because usually in past shows that I've been on nothing against any of them but it's always been, you know, oh, at the end of the scene, stand up and we'll be like, oh my God, you know, like, or, um, uh, you know, uh, there's always sort of this reveal of, of the prosthesis and mm -hmm. um, instead, and, and it also often is a plot point or, uh, or, you know, I was, I did a TV show, um, right before the pandemic kind of shut everything down in, in the United States, um, where I played a doctor it, who uses a wheelchair. Um, but then there's this huge explosion and all this stuff happens and like falls on me and all that stuff. And it's just, um, it, was a, it was refreshing um, to, to work with the people on Dexter because they specifically came at it from a place of, of yeah, yeah, this is just who oh, she is. Who yeah, are. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's great. But so so Dexter is is uh, is definitely a big milestone for you. And uh, but also obviously before that, it's worth uh, definitely mentioning is uh, the 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 cost of living show that you were on. And, uh... Yeah. So I was. Um, uh, it was funny. I was just with the writer of that play uh, this last week in New York, and um, it's been about six years since the first time I was sent that script. And um, uh, it is a a beautiful play about again, a, it's people who live their lives from this very specific place of like disability is my reality, mm -hmm. um, but they never it's not an educational like it's not an opportunity to say this is what a spinal cord you know this is what cp means like it's all just 
people and relationships and people trying to figure out how to um, help each other without kind of steamrolling the relationships. And um, it ended up uh, off Broadway in 2017. And um, in 2018, it won the Pulitzer Prize for drama. And um, it's, it's a beautiful story. I've been able to do the play and I did the show in uh, London. It was actually one of these moments in my life where I was like, oh my gosh, such big things have happened for me in this city in London. Um, and uh, yeah, we're, we're... So, I mean, that's, uh, that's amazing. So London and uh, then uh, the Pulitzer Prize. I mean, that's um, quite the accomplishments. In a short yeah. And, uh, obviously now uh, Dexter and and uh, and what's next? What's next? Well, I can't speak too much specifically about what's next. So um, there is a there's good stuff. I'm gonna be um, there's a an opportunity if people are in their New York area to to see me sometime later this year in a in a project. So um, there is stuff, but it's um you know you can't you can't talk about it i've actually also been doing a bunch of um uh voiceover work so i'm uh i've just recently had the opportunity to voice a um an animated character um which is really exciting and fun and um i have uh I, i'm i'm really excited for 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 kids to to see her cuz my, my uh character actually uses a, a prosthetic uh leg but it again mm. it's never talked about it's just really? who she is mm. and she shows up and it's um it's going to be a really sweet show um and uh i can't wait but none of it i can't tell you anything yeah. <laughs> no, no. okay have to wait you will keep us yeah, uh, yeah. please do um so uh Obviously, as someone who has uh, been using prosthetics for so long, um, let's, uh, I'm curious really to hear your thoughts. <laughs> you, you, are, uh, you are an expert. Um, right. <laughs> so uh, how, how do you feel about uh, prosthetics as they are today? And um, you have any, I'm sure you have some opinion on that. Um. I, I sort of feel like I have a, you know, I think amputees sort of have a love-hate relationship with their prosthesis. <laughs> I think there are certain days where it's just, it's hard. You're, you're basically asking your body to, and your skin and your muscles to put up with something that is not a natural thing to attach to your body, but the freedom and the um, independence that it can offer people and the fact that you, you know, you don't, you, you can have that sort of amount of independence that you wouldn't normally have or couldn't in the past. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely have grown way more accepting of um, my body and what it looks like and um, the prosthesis and how that looks, but I, but I, I love the fact that we're starting to evolve into a place where 
using things like, you know, uh, the covers unique and other, you know, there's having, having the opportunity to show a bit of your own personal style and your own personality through something that normally would just be a metal pole. And, you know, you just sort of are, are taking, having an opportunity to elevate something into, you know, I'm, I'm really big into fashion and I, you know, I love uh, red, doing red carpet events and getting really dressed up. And I love all of that stuff. And I think that there is a hardness to a prosthesis that can be really cool, but in certain circumstances, you don't, that's not really the look you're going for. You want an opportunity to sort of evolve in the same way that you would put on a different pair of shoes mm -hmm. um, for an outfit, having the opportunity to change the appearance of your prosthesis in a way that reflects the rest of your, you know, the look you're going for, or, um, you know, making it, uh, show, like I said, show your personality in some way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, we, we are very guilty of the fact that, um, uh, prosthetics, uh, looks like engineers, made it because it's made by engineers. Um, and, and functionality, uh, functionality yeah. is amazing. Like the microprocessor knee, I wear microprocessor knees every day. They help me not have to look at the ground and worry about what I'm stepping on. And I don't have to think so much about them all the time. Engineering is a beautiful thing, but a, yeah. you know, cosmesis, having a cosmetic, um, it, it helps you, I think it also helps, would ha will help people embrace them a little bit more. There's something that's not so cold and like you don't necessarily want someone to like notice or look at it. And I get that everybody's sort of on their own timeline of that. But if you could feel like you like how they look, mm -hmm. um, could change your whole attitude and can you know, help you move along in your life or go get a job or feel confident meeting new people or, yeah. you know, instead of feeling like it's something that you have to hide. Yeah. No, and, uh, and is that something you feel like you have been doing in the past that you have been hiding? I did not start. I, I was really running when I started running that I, um, I had never worn, there's a, a photo of me in my running blades for the first time ever. And um, if you look at that photo, I'm wearing a pair of like sweatpants, but they're rolled up because I, I literally didn't own a pair of shorts because I just, I called it the art of blending in. I just wanted people to notice me because I'm funny or smart or beautiful mm -hmm. or any of those things and not because I walked around on you know metal sticks for legs and um it was a, a transition for me to be able to like go out in the world and go for a run and know that people are going to sort of glance at you and be able to fill in the blanks of all of these things that they assume your life is yeah um 
and it's vulnerable. It's a very vulnerable place. It's like, you know, going somewhere without your pants on. <laughs> like you, um, it's exposing, and um, and it was through the process of of running that I just was like, gosh, why am I wasting all of this time worrying about what other people think about me? Mm-hmm. Um, it was also like age. You know, at some point you're like, oh, it's not worth the time and energy to to worry about what people think so yeah no i mean it's um um it it is a huge transformation for our industry uh partly because our industry is so um um, we are so educated to uh, focus first of all on on walking and um and obviously then running i mean this is kind of what we 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 did uh, back in the days uh, right. It was a huge challenge, um, but it's interesting when you talk now to amputees is that, um, and there is a study, recent one from the Veterans Organization, which revealed that um, it's really not that what they are concerned about. They are actually much more concerned now about other things like balance, like uh, uh, body image, and body image is really, really high up there. In, right. And it's, it's not the walking and the running as much anymore because that is kind of given. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We have solved that, right? <laughs> right. I mean, I remember as a younger amputee having being on mechanical knees, I fell, I used to fall down all the time. And like, I was young, so I didn't get hurt or anything. And actually I'd fall down and um, I'd be more upset about the fact that I put a hole in my pants than I was like, that I fell down, you know, I'd just be like, oh, I just bought these pants. Mm-hmm. But the way that the technology has changed and evolved, uh, I don't fall down. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't even think about it most of the time. I, the microprocessor gives me, you know, a stumble recovery if I do stub my toe or something like that. Yeah. it it had no at the end of the day like the technology has really changed the fact that you don't have to think about these things all the time and that doesn't surprise me that people are like can it look better yeah. <laughs> like can i you know? uh, yeah 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 i mean it's then uh you said earlier that you are big into fashion i mean it Will prosthetics just evolve into not being really medical devices? More like this, what we are both wearing, you know? It's right, not- right. It becomes a you know a fashion choice. Yeah. Um, and uh, absolutely, I think um, you know I think that um, people people again, like we said earlier, I think people's perceptions are very different starting to evolve as well but I can't you know I feel like um we need more of these we, people need to see Paralympic events coming to their televisions in their homes they need to see characters on television who aren't doing something extraordinary they're just going to work and they live their life with a disability it's all of it's all normalizing yeah. normalizing it for for people who just you know, are trying to get up and live their lives. And, you know, they don't, 
they're not, you know, they're not trying to get to the Paralympics, but they still want their legs to look cool. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Katie, been great talking to you. Uh, you Likewise. are uh, quite an inspiration. Um, incredible what you have achieved and you are still so young. And um, what I um, wonder as someone who has uh, lived with uh, limb loss uh, all your life, um, your message to maybe younger yourself, uh, new amputees that are going through uh, that situation, starting on this journey. Uh, I think if I could say anything is one day at a time. I mean, early on, figure out how to inspire yourself to set small goals. And uh, eventually, uh, a long line of small goals, you can look back and see that you've climbed a mountain. But if you're just standing at the bottom of a mountain looking up, it's overwhelming. It's teeny tiny steps the whole way. Yeah, it's a work. It's patience. Patience, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, wonderful. Uh, th thank you so much for joining me here. And uh, yes, thanks for having it's, me. Uh, it's been great talking to you. Likewise. All the best to you. You too. Talk